unity that is found in this diversity to be all that we can be as a community. At the back, uh, for the teens, Bible study this morning with Scott, or you're going to the next hall down for a dance, by the sounds of it. Just the joys of hiring space in a school, eh? Well, I think they're listening to Queen. I want to break free. So if that's anybody's attitude, you can leave right now. But hopefully not. No. Yeah. <laughs> hiring space in the school has a lot of positives. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> Having Queen as the backing track to a Friday morning is probably not one of them. Anyway, uh, we're in such a great part of First Corinthians at the moment, aren't we? Now, come on. They're having a party next door. We're in such a great part of 1 Corinthians at the moment, aren't we? We've been doing this together, some of us for a few weeks, some of us for a few years. A response is, is all right. You don't have to sit there looking all formal. If you want to go dance and get down with your bad selves, that's fine. But if we're going to stay, we're going to engage. We're in a great part of 1 Corinthians, yes? Save that for the end, though, that kind of enthusiasm. For a couple of weeks, then, we've been talking about how our individual liberties look when we get together as a community. And we've said that Paul, uh, in this section of his letter, is answering a few kind of specific situations. Uh, and as much as it would be probably easier for us if we could just straight copy-paste it into our lives, we can't, can we? Because we're not the Corinthians. There was a lot of similarities. It's very inter- it was a very international place, very transient, but we're not the Corinthians, uh, so we can't just straight copy-paste. So a couple of weeks ago, we talked about gender, and we said it's all right to be a man in church. It's all right to be a lady in church. We don't need some big, homogenous, same-same, boring and bland group of people. Uh, we're different by design, and that is fine. Uh, last week, same core problem, how our individual liberties come together in a community, specifically how we spend time together, share meals together, just living life together, not just uh, parallel playing. I'm so grateful to Luke and Arvin for jumping up on stage last week, uh, playing American football, and neither of them are here this week. I don't know why. It's almost as if they don't, they don't want to do that again. Uh, anyway, today then it's the same core problem, divisions in the church. Specifically, how each of us is gifted and skilled, the talents and the passions that uh, God gives to individuals. Uh, so as we do every week, we're going to see what it says, we're going to uh, see what it means, and then what do we do? do with it? Because we don't just come on a Friday for a lecture uh, to listen and to leave. We want to listen and we want to learn what was going on, but how it affects our lives now. What do we do with it when we leave? Uh, So what are we going to see? Again, we've got to remember that Paul has got shared context with these people. Like he was there, he knows them, they know him. He can reference stuff in a letter that they would understand instantly uh, that we don't. Like we've got a friend staying at the moment that I've known for half my life, so we can talk about stuff that to us is a little, it's so obvious. We can talk about like muffins or custard 
or strawberries, and like all these things, like little private in-jokes. He's laughing, I'm laughing inside. You're not laughing because you don't get it. So all that to say, Paul has context with these people. So when he writes some stuff, they know what he means. And we sometimes don't instantly know what he means. So we can't just straight copy-paste this into our lives. Uh, as easy as that would be. So if you've not done so already, uh, let's turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, if you're on a phone or an iPad, it's probably 90% down the list of books in your Bibles. If you're in a printed Bible, again, it's probably 80 or 90% through. If you need to use the index at the front to, to go there, then go ahead. Uh, but before we really dive into this, as we kind of said at the beginning, it's a passage that often brings a lot of confusion, and we're going to try and find a bit of clarity. So it's probably very helpful to say what this passage is not before we get into it. So first, this passage uh, is not complete. It's not a, an exhaustive list of how God gifts, blesses, empowers, or skills his, his people. Paul talks about other gifts to other groups in other letters. Uh, Peter writes about the gifts, how God blesses, moves, and empowers his people. So this is not a complete and a closed list. Uh, this passage is not a checklist either to see if you are a real Christian. If you can't find, like, instantly see yourself on this list, it's fine. The Bible really clearly says that if you believe in heart who Jesus was, what he did, what he said, what, you, what this means for you, if you confess this with mouth, confirm and affirm this, then you're saved from the consequences of your sin, that life beyond your physical death awaits, and life as it was designed to be lived is yours uh, right now. It doesn't say, and you also should turn to 1 Corinthians 12 and pick out what you are, because if you can't, you're a joker, you're a pretender. It doesn't say that. Uh, so if you cannot immediately find yourself on this list, don't worry. You're not a bad Christian. You're not a bad believer, okay? Okay, question mark. Good, thanks. Thanks, Ryan. We're going to get there. It might take a couple of years, but we'll have a very engaging Friday morning in a couple of years. And finally, for now, this passage is not a competition. We're not competing with one another to see who's got the best gift, the most gifted and talented Christian in the room. They're not ranked. None of them is more holy, more special. This list should not be used to evaluate how mature or maturing you are as a believer. Uh, your status in church, your worth before God. This list should not cause division here as it was in Corinth. It's not a scorecard like tick this box, tick, 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 tick. Oh, I've got ten. I'm like super Christian. People should follow me. No, it's not a checklist. It's not a score list to see how good of a Christian you are. So that's what this passage is not. So far, so good? All right. Now we're getting it, see? I think in five minutes. Good. So this is going to carry on for a couple of chapters. It's a big thing, how God moves in his people's lives. But for today, why? Why are we gifted, given talents, abilities? Why does God... What does his presence look like in our lives? So Paul begins in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. He answers a question in verses 1 to 3. With regards to, so they've asked him about something. With regards to spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were often led astray 
by speechless idols, however you were led. So I want you to understand that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed, and no one says Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit. So maybe, yeah, maybe how many people's Bibles have got a little subheading that says spiritual gifts? Yeah, mine does for sure. Uh, if you read this in a Greek Bible, if you read the, 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 the language that Paul wrote this in, he doesn't write gifts. It's there to help us understand what's going on. More literally, if we were going really like word for word, it would say something like, with regards to spiritual things in your lives, with regards to things in your life that you don't produce within yourself. But that's a bit wordy, isn't it? So we're going to go with gifts, something that somebody has given you. You've not produced it, made it yourself. So he says, look, with regards to that, that stuff, spiritual gifts, stuff that somebody's given you of a spiritual nature, you need to know some stuff. I want you to understand. I don't want you to be uninformed. So the big point here, as we start this passage, is that God's influence on your life, when you believe, is going to cause you and me and us to, to think differently, to act differently, and to react differently uh, to times in our lives before we were a Christian, uh, before we believed. Uh, we see no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So right off the bat, there's this big principle, when you believe your behavior changes, and it always glorifies God. Not each and every minute of each and every day, but the changes that are, are, are working in you day by day are God-glorifying. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit. So he wants them to know that, and Paul wants the Corinthians to know, God wants you to know, being a believer changes your behavior. And he's going to talk about gifts, skills, talents, abilities, interests, that they've now got that they didn't have in their BC days, and it's a result of them believing. So it says, look, first up, look, I want you to know that this is real. These gifts, these talents, these skills, these abilities, these interests are real in your life, and God gives these gifts, these things that we've not produced within ourselves to His people through His Spirit, and it's going to glorify His Son. The gifts, the talents, the skills, the abilities that God has given you are going to glorify Jesus, who He is, what He said, what He did. And as He's going to say, it's going to encourage other people. And if we keep reading from verse 4, the rest of the passage, there are different gifts, there are different skills, talents, abilities, but the same Spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. There are different results, but the same God who produces all of them in everyone. To each person, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the benefit of all. For one person is given, the, uh, given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, and another the message of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another performance of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discernment of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, the interpretation of tongues. It's one and the same Spirit distributing as He decides to each person who produces all these things. So He started out and He said, look, this is all very real in your lives. When you believe your behavior is going to change, you've not produced this stuff in yourself, it's come from God's presence, His Spirit in your life, and it's going to glorify Him. And then He says, look, here are some examples. Maybe this is what He saw probable. This is what he saw in Corinth. 
examples. Again, the shared context between them is going to throw these out and they're going to see themselves on that list because he was there with them, which is why we might not. Uh, so we're going to see what he says about these things. Um, we tend to look at this passage and focus on the gifts. Like, ooh, like I wonder, I wonder what, I'm, what can I do now? Like I'm a Christian, what, you know, what, what comes my way? But Paul's not focusing on the gifts. His emphasis, his focus is on how their individual gifts, how their individuality, their individual freedoms and liberties and gifts and talents and skills, how they come together in a community. So we'll, we'll see what he talks about and we'll look at the examples that he gives, but we're not going to camp out here too long because it's not Paul's priority. So he says, look, this stuff is real. Being a believer changes your behavior. And he says, look, it can, take, it can take many, many forms. There is no uniform uh, gift, talent, skill of a, of a Christian. There are loads of different ways to be gifted by God for his presence to be experienced in our lives, but then exercised in our community as well. He says there are different gifts, same spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. There are different results, but the same God who produces them in everyone. And there's a really nice bit of the Trinity in action there. Did you see it? In verse 4, there's different gifts, same spirit. Different ministries, different ways of encouraging one another, same Lord, a title often used of Jesus. Uh, and then verse 6, different results, same God. It's a really nice bit of the Trinity in action. God is producing these things in all of us. It doesn't mean that we've all got all the gifts. So again, if you look at this list and think, oh man, that's not me. I'm not on there. Maybe I'm not a real Christian. Let me stop you there. You don't need to go down that road of, of, of looking at one particular passage in, in, the, in the Bible, in Scripture, and, and doubting everything about yourself. Uh, let me tell you what Jesus said about this in John chapter 14, about his presence being in your life. Uh, Jesus said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot accept because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he resides with you and will be in you. So if you cannot see yourself immediately on this list, don't worry. It doesn't mean you're not a real Christian or you're a bad believer. Jesus said, when you believe, his spirit takes up residence in you. These are just examples of how it works itself out sometimes in your life. And there are times when that presence is going to be more apparent. It's going to be more obvious. If the situation that you find yourself in needs it, it's going to be there. So Paul says, look, this is, this is real. You're going to behave differently when you believe. But it all comes from the same place. However you're gifted or skilled or interested, it's coming from the same place. There is a unity in the source of these gifts. Where they are coming from, it's all the same. Why? Why are we different? Why are we gifted? Why is the Spirit present in our lives? Look at verse 7 with me. Each person is gifted for the benefit of everybody else. Uh, Paul writes, to each person the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the benefit of all. So you're gifted, you're skilled, you've got interests and passions and abilities given to you by God. 
not for you. It's for all of us. Others. Look around for, for these people. You're gifted, skilled, passioned, made able to do some stuff for other people. And with that being said, you can see why Paul is really disappointed then that they're dividing over these gifts. Mine's better than yours. That's not very important. Because they're given for everybody else. So what's given as a source of unity and to build a community, people are dividing over. Mine's better than yours. Yours is less important than mine. We can do without that, but we can't do without mine. You can see why he's so disappointed. But he said a couple of passages back, like, I'm not going to praise you for this. You need, to do, you need to do better. Stop falling out about stuff that's made to, to build one another up. You're gifted, like we said at the start, to glorify Jesus who saved you and to build those up around you. And so if those two boxes are not being ticked, if the gift that you feel you've got from God is not glorifying Jesus and building other people up, it's... Difficult for us to affirm, that's too polite, uh, it's false. It's not a God-given gift, you're just making it up. If it doesn't glorify Jesus, then nobody can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And if it's not building people up uh, to each person, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the benefit of all. If those two things are not being, uh, those boxes are not being ticked, then you need to think again how you feel if you're gifted. It's difficult to say that's a gift from God if those two really key things are not being met. And Paul says, look, you're gifted, you're talented, you're skilled, you've got passions and interests for other people, for the benefit of all. Now, I want to illustrate this, how diverse yet unified our gifts are how we need everybody to put and bring their gifts together. Uh, I want us to illustrate this ourselves. Because like we said last week, people are better than pictures, aren't they? Uh, we're not playing on the stage uh, this week. But now I'm going to start with a really easy one, looking this way. We're all given gifts and talents and skills for the benefit of other people, to build other people up. So would you, just for a moment, stand up if you feel you're gifted, blessed, able, talented, passionate about music? Okay, good. If you're not in the worship team, let's have a look around and see, well, let's ask why not. Okay, good. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So that was an easy one. That was a bank. I knew you were going to stand up. Okay, good. Uh, what about technology and stuff? If you're gifted, able, willing, if you can work iPads, computers, and stuff, and you're not too introverted, just it's like kind of half stand. Randy, you're running sound. Emmy, you're doing the live stream. Yeah, good. Okay, good. So we need all of these people to, to make the... Okay, good. Sit down. Uh, what about looking after kids, teaching kids, building up kids, putting them on the right path? You can stand up again if you want. That's fine. Okay, good. I'm going to assume you all love kids, but you're just, you're on the kids' church roster already, so you don't feel like you need to show it to people. Uh, what about practical things? Admin, numbers, finances, charts, plans, if you're a really practical person. Wow. I just you and me. Oh, we're good. I'm, I'm kind of standing. Yeah, that's fine. A hand in the air. 
Good. Uh, what else have we got? What about if you come to church, you love seeing other people, praying for other people, chatting. You are the most peopley person I've ever met. Stand up. No, 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 no. You are definitely peopley. If you love other people, you want to pray for other people, encourage other people. Come on. Okay, good. We're getting hands. But yeah, I get it. Okay, good. I, I don't know what to say. Like, all the spiritual gifts are sitting over here. And like, this, this side of the room, I don't know what's going on. Anyway, look, we need, why is this side of the room really gifted spiritually? Verse 7 tells us, for the benefit of all. So this lot are carrying us as a church with their gifts, <laughs> with their music, their people. Now, you know what I'm saying. And it's, it's better than looking at pictures. We could not be a church. We could not be us without people with a wide variety of gifts. For some of you, being given a group of 10 eight-year-olds and told, teach them some Bible truths for 25 to 30 minutes would have you running out the back, wouldn't it? For some of you standing up with a microphone and singing, would have you looking for another church. We're gifted, we're skilled, we're given talents that are so different to one another for other people's benefits. So, with a few examples from Corinth, how are some of the ways then uh, that God's Spirit can be present in our lives? Uh, again, this is not an exhaustive or an exclusive list. We read about gifts uh, again later in this chapter, slightly different to what goes on here. Uh, in Ephesians, in 1 Peter, uh, but this is a list of examples, and you know what? I think it is most probably what Paul saw here, so that when he's writing to them, and says, look, you shouldn't be dividing over this, 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 this. they're going to see themselves in that list. So, what were they arguing and dividing over? He talks about the message of wisdom. What's he talking about? Can you understand and articulate the truths of God as set forth in Scripture? Uh, the message of knowledge. Can you take what's written here and put it into people's lives? Uh, another faith by the same Spirit. This is a, a, a trust in God beyond what most other Christians can manage. I uh, think about George Muller, uh, who uh, lived in England in the 19th century, who started just a, a bunch of orphanages, never asked anybody for any money ever. But every time he'd planned to build something else, money appeared because he trusted that God would provide. Never asked anybody for money. If you've never read about George Muller, uh, do. It's, it's very... Uh, it's the, the, the faith that he's got is inspiring, but it's humble. It's humbling as well. It makes you think about the passage where you, know, where you read, I, I believe, but help my unbelief. Like here's a guy who started multiple orphanages, never asked for money, just trusted that it would be provided. Anyway, uh, another gift is healing, it's restoring physical health. This is really important to say. This is God's healing power. If you're out and about on the world wide web and see people who claim to be able to heal on, on demand, no. No, 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 no. Uh, if you read around the gift of healings, you're going to find something like it's the power which at particular times is received from 
God's presence, His Spirit in your life to cure, to heal, a power which is not always resident or present. It's God's power. It's not on demand. It's just Paul couldn't cure Timothy. He gave him advice how to kind of boost his health. Paul complained about having a thorn in his flesh. So this is not, well, I'm a Christian now. I can heal on demand. Uh, it's given in extraordinary occasions. We've seen it in, uh, in our lives. You see it in the, in the community. Periodically, reg- fairly regularly. It's not on demand. Christians get sick. Christians die from disease. It's not on demand. Uh, another is performance of miracles. It's, uh, again, we talked about this last summer, I think. Uh, miracles, wonderful, powerful signs of God, uh, like we read in the Gospel of John, always point to Jesus in some way, shape, or form. They're not just indiscriminate. They're not random miracles. There's a sign. They're a sign. They point to something. Uh, as we said at the start of the passage, nobody can say Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit. Another one, prophecy, uh, setting forth and enforcing, uh, speaking clearly and powerfully on God's truths. Uh, Paul talks about this in a couple of chapters' time. He doesn't talk about prophecy being predictive anymore. Uh, Predictive prophecy was looking forward to Jesus. He's going to come. He's going to do this. This is where it's going to happen. This is how it's going to happen. This is when it's going to happen. Now he's been, and for the moment gone, there's no need to to predict anymore. So prophecy we're going to talk about in a few weeks. It's for other people, building up other people. Uh, Paul writes about a discernment of spirits. Hopefully we've all got a little bit of this. When somebody is telling you, hey, look, this is what the Bible says. This is what God wants you to do, say, be. Can we, di- can we differentiate, can we discern between what is the word of God and uh, heresy, false, false teaching about God? We're discerning the spirits. Uh, another one, a different kind of tongues. We could talk about this for days and days and days. It's the ability to speak an unlearned living language. The ability to, to pray in a tongue, to encourage somebody else in a tongue, in a, in a language, is not the exclusive evidence of you being a Christian or being filled with the Holy Spirit. If you've never uh, prayed in tongues, spoken in tongues, you're probably in the majority of Christians. You're not in this distinct minority. That you don't need to feel bad because that's an experience that I've, I've never had. But because it's often taught, because it's often held up as the crowning experience, the definitive thing for being a spirit-filled Christian. Do you speak in tongues? I obviously do. Because it's put across like that, people pretend, yeah, I do. And then they just babble on incoherently. Who's that building up? Who's that encouraging? Nobody. So if that's put across to you, unless you speak in tongues, you're not a real spirit-filled Christian, You've got to refuse that as a differentiation of the Spirit. That's not true. Uh, then the interpretation of tongues, the ability to understand a previously unlearned, unstudied language so you can build up and encourage uh, other people. So he gives some examples, most likely what I saw in Corinth. And then in verse 11, it comes back to the big point. This isn't an expos- uh, like an exposition on all the gifts of the Spirit. It says, look, it is one and the same Spirit distributing 
as he decides to each person who produces all these things. So there's a unity in, in source of these gifts, how you are gifted, talented, skilled, given abilities, passions, interests. It doesn't matter if it's different because it's coming from the same place. He said it in verse 7, he gives some examples, and he comes back to it in 11. He's repeating himself because that's what he's actually talking about. It is one and the same spirit, distributing as he decides to each person who produces all these things. And again, we tend to read this and we focus on the gifts, like, ah, okay, look, here's my self-checklist for being a Christian, where am I? Spiritual gifts, like, I'll just scan, I'll look for something that looks like me, boom, found it, I'm a Christian. But that's not Paul's point. It doesn't explain these gifts. It doesn't apply these gifts. We've got to do it with Bible dictionaries and cross-references. Again, it's likely that these are the examples that he saw in Corinth. That's that shared context between them. But his point is this. Look, how you are gifted, skilled, empowered by God may well be so different to everybody else. If you're over here, you know how God has gifted and skilled and talented you. If you're over here, maybe you're still learning. Is well, people <laughs> we spent earlier look. How you're gifted and skilled is so different to other people, but do you know what? That is good. That is a good thing because you are all gifted, empowered, have talents, interests and passions that are different from everybody else for everybody else to build them up to help them. And they've got different interests, passion, skills, gifts to you to build you up, to help you along. But let's not argue about who's is better, about who's is more important, about what makes the church tick and what sweeps up behind. It doesn't matter. He says, look, it's, they're all coming from the same place. It's the same God who gives these gifts, talents, as he decides. So Paul is saying in this passage, look, stop bickering. Stop arguing. Stop trying to one-up someone. Well, I speak in tongues every day. Do you? No. Stop dividing over stuff which actually is in your life to bring you together. And when we see what he's actually saying here, there is such a wonderful freedom. It takes away the worry of, oh, man, I've never spoken in, in a tongue. I'm not much of a prophet. I've never found myself in a situation where I've prayed for somebody and they've been healed of, of a disease. If, if, if that's you, you've never found yourself in that situation, don't worry about it. God gives the gifts, or as we read, as He decides and as they're needed. They're not random and indiscriminate. You're walking along one day and boom, you bust into fluent Arabic on the street. If, if, if that's the, what the situation calls for, great. But if not, don't worry about it. You're not a bad believer because you can't instantly pick yourself out of this limited list. You can't immediately place yourself here. It's an example. It's not a requirement. If you can't immediately see yourself here, don't worry. So the gifts, these abilities, these skills, these passions, as, as, as Paul said and as we've read, look, they all come from, from God. They all come from this. There's a unity in the source of these gifts, but they also have a unity in their purpose. 
how you are gifted might be so differently, so different to the person sitting next to you, but why you are gifted is exactly the same as the person sitting next to you because we need the unity in this big, beautiful room full of diversity to be all that we can be as a community. How boring would it be if everybody could sing and play, but nobody wanted to pray for you afterwards? Nobody was a people person. How boring would it be if everybody wanted to do the sound? Lights, cameras, iPads, laptops. Nobody wanted to take care of your kids. We just wouldn't work. As a community, we would not function There is a a beautiful unity in our diversity. The gifts that we're given are so different, but why we are given them is exactly the same. He said it in verse 7. He said it in verse 11. It's for the good of other people. It is for one another. We don't choose these things. It's not like a menu. We don't produce these things in ourselves. The spiritual gifts, we, we, we can't teach them. We need to be really careful there. If somebody says, look, I'm going I'm to give you a class on how to do miracles, don't sign up for that. Please don't sign up for that. Somebody says, I'm going to teach you how to heal. No. If you want to learn how to heal, go to medical school. Become a doctor. Somebody says, I'm going to teach you how to heal on demand, you turn away and you run away from that person as fast as you can. The point that Paul is making is they're given divinely for God's glory, but for our good. They work themselves out best in community. And he's going to build on this next week, and so are we. But his point for here is, look, how you are gifted, made, skilled, how you're sent out into the world is going to be so different from everybody else, and that is good. But why you are gifted, skilled, talented is exactly the same as everybody else. And it's for everybody else's good. So if you're not doing anything with it, you need to start doing something with it. And this fits so well with the last couple of weeks, doesn't it? It's, all, it's good. It's good to be a man in church. It's good to be a lady in church. We need both to make church all that church can be. It's good, as we said last week, it's good to live our lives truly together not just parallel playing alongside one another. And here, it's good to have different abilities, interests, gifts, talents to those people around you. But why have we got men and women in church? Why do we want to live our lives together? Why have we got different gifts? The answer is all the same. He said it again in 7, he said it in 11. It's for the benefit of other people. It's not for you. It's for us. These divine gifts, these divine enablings are not for dividing over, arguing about, but bringing together for the good of the group. We've said it a few times here that God's individual presence in our individual lives is amplified and magnified when we get together like this. And so too are the gifts that he gives to us. Just look at this, look at this gang. If it was just one person, we'd come, we'd worship, and it'd be good. But when people bring their gifts together, it's so much better, isn't it? You guys should at least say yes. Yeah, it is. 
Nobody sits at home and starts to speak in an unlearned language. These gifts, these signs, these wonders, they're not indiscriminate and random. You don't sit at home and burst into a previously unlearned language because there's nobody there to build up with it. There's nobody there to, to glorify God in front of. There's nobody to build up. You don't sit at home and pray for the healing of a community that you're not part of. You don't know these people. You don't know what's going on with people. You know what I'm saying. These gifts show themselves best. They are put to work in community. And that is us. We here. And they add to the unity of the community. They're not for dividing over. So, So as we go out, back to the people, to the communities, to living lives with one another, not just alongside one another, as Paul wanted the Corinthians to know in this passage, what God wants you to understand, not to be uninformed about, we're not going to get hung up on specific abilities that you do or don't have at the moment. And again, let me me remind you what Jesus said about this. If you believe his presence is in your life, just because you can't find yourself on this particular list, you don't need to doubt that. So if that is you, if you believe you are gifted, you do have interests, passions, skills, talents, and it is for our good. And so we, we really simply, we, we want it. We need it. We need the unity that is found in all of this big, beautiful diversity to be all that we can be as a community. Because if you're gifted and you're just sitting there, there's more to give and there's more to add to this community. So last week, we said, look, here's a challenge. Go meet somebody new. How good was that, by the way? Forcing people to interact. Forcing people to meet somebody new. That was great. Uh, so, so today then, I, just, I, don't know, look, I want to challenge you to think about what you're good at. It's a very easy challenge. Think about what you're good at, what you enjoy, and then think, how can that serve, how can that encourage and build up other people here? It might be something that we, as a church, as a community, don't do right now. It might be something that we've not done for a couple of years. And if that's so, great. Come and talk to us about how your particular gift might look in our community. If it's something that's already happening, the music, the tech stuff, being a people person, teaching kids, I promise you, I promise, promise, promise you, you will never regret getting more involved in a community. You will regret not getting involved. You leave and you think, man, I wish. Don't be those people. So, because the gifts that you're given are ultimately given to you for God's glory and for our story. And again, we need, we need the unity that is found in this diversity to be all that we can be as a community. Amen? Let's stand and let's pray.